Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. It's Wednesday, August 31st. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. The water system in Jackson, Mississippi is failing. There's little to no drinking water, and residents are under order to boil water for three minutes before drinking or using to cook. Governor Tate Reeves has signed an emergency declaration and first steps are to restore water quantity to the OB Curtis water treatment plant, and then water quality as the shortage is expected to last days. Bobby Harrison, senior capital reporter at Mississippi Today, joins us for what to know about this water system failure. Next, thieves across the country are targeting Hyundai and Kia owners. Design flaws in the cars that use a steel key and not fobs or push button start are being stolen sometimes in a matter of seconds, with as little as a screwdriver or a USB cord. Annalise Frank, Detroit reporter at Axios, joins us for what to know. Finally, Republicans have been excited for a red wave to hit the midterm elections, but those hopes have been running up against a few walls recently. Democrats have a long way to go to maintain their majorities in both chambers of Congress, but Democrats recently scored a victory in a bellwether election. Persuadable voters are trending toward Dems, and the abortion issue isn't playing well for the GOP. Sahil Kapoor, senior national political reporter at NBC News, joins us for more. It's News Without the Noise. Let's dive in. Please stay safe. Do not drink the water. In too many cases, it is raw water from the reservoir being pushed through the pipes. Joining us now is Bobby Harrison, senior capital reporter at Mississippi Today. Thanks for joining us, Bobby. Uh, you bet. How well, y'all doing? We're doing good, thank you. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, uh, you guys can do be doing a little bit better out there. Uh, we're, we're you know we're looking at a water crisis happening in a lot of parts of the country, but there in Jackson, Mississippi specifically, the water system is failing. We're hearing that the city will be with uh, either little drinking water, no drinking water indefinitely, and um, it seems like it might be uh, some time coming as we're seeing the uh, water system there has been kind of in disrepair for some time, but uh, it's all at emergency levels right now. So, Bobby, what are we seeing out there? Yeah, that's right. The governor uh, uh, Monday night uh, issued a state of emergency, called in the National Guard to help with things like making sure people have uh, drinking water and also non-drinking water for flushing toilets and and those types of things. 
but as you said, this has been going on for a long time. It is kind of weird. The Jackson is a surface water system, and the uh, heavy rains we had last week, which had resulted in some moderate flooding, also impacted a already bad system and kind of just really put it in a, uh, a state of almost dysfunction. So, now today, there it, it's gotten a little better in terms of water pressure than it was uh, last night. And the mayor said today, hey, he had a press conference this afternoon, he said it's continuously improving, but the issue is, gonna, is that still you don't have safe drinking water. You have to at least boil it. And there's some consternation. Some is not sure. I mean, we're getting mixed signals about whether you can boil it and drink it or you just shouldn't drink it at all. So it's, there's still a lot of unanswered questions. So we're looking at the OB Curtis plant right now. They're saying it's not operating near full capacity. That's one of the problems. I guess there was a report in 2020 from the EPA saying that there was major shortfalls in the water system there in Jackson, including failure to replace lead pipes, faulty monitoring equipment, inadequate staffing. You know, obviously flooding and all that stuff exacerbates things. But why hasn't uh, there been more attention paid to some of these problems that that seem to have been coming for some time already? This is state of Mississippi's largest city is is this capital city of, of the state and the city has been under a boil water notice you know before what's happened just the past couple of days it, it, the city's been under a boil water notice for more than a month and you know the there's the mayor who's a, a democrat and the state leadership who is all republican they struggle sometimes to get on the same page the mayor says that you know to fix systems that go back literally decades in terms of those lead pipes you're referring to, mother things, they, they have to have state help. It's going to cost over a billion dollars to do that. The city said, the state says the mayor has not shown the ability to adequately run the system. Uh, so they're hesitant to give money. So, I mean, it's just been kind of loggerheads. Yeah, now, I think of- this what's happened over the past couple of days. I think that's kind of everybody's forcing everybody to kind of take a second look and come to the, maybe come to the table to reach an agreement. But there's far uh, from it right now. The good news is the state like a lot of states in the country, because of, you know, federal pandemic money and high tax returns during, you know, sort of economic upswing in a lot of ways. And the state has more money now in the bank than it's ever had. So they have money to help solve this issue. It's just a matter of the people coming to the table and reaching an agreement to do that. So for now, it seems like the priority is restoring the water quantity and that pressure and make sure people can do those things, those uh, everyday things, flushing the toilets, taking showers, all that. And then to restore the quality, which is so they can end the boil water notice. And in the meantime, really, it's uh, affecting all sorts of other things. They've had to uh, uh, move schools into remote learning for the week uh, or indefinitely virtual learning until they can get a handle on this. Everything you can imagine, you know, it's hard for restaurants to function if, uh, if if they don't have safe drinking water. And there's, a, you know, Jackson has a lot of problems, but they also have a lot of things going forward. And one thing they have going for, one thing the city has going forward is, I think, a lot of wonderful restaurants. And you know, right now those restaurants are just having a hard time staying open. And yeah. of course, and the city, which is about. 80% African American has, you know, it's it's been struggling like a lot of cities, losing losing business and moving out to the suburbs and stuff. And this just doesn't help. I mean, it just doesn't help enough help at all. But the goods, I mean, but people have to, you know, some people do realize that for Mississippi to improve and per, per, uh, kind of progress in the who's <laughs> the rest of the southeast has to have a vibrant capital city and so maybe maybe that you know those are all good signs that something may be coming uh down the road but how, heck, how, I'm, uh, how are the residents taking this for right now i mean you said you're under a boil water notice for over a month now i mean how are they handling I mean, i'm sure there's a lot of anger going around 
Yeah, a lot of anger. I mean, a lot of people, to be perfectly honest, I mean, and uh, full disclosure, I don't actually, I live outside the city, so I haven't been under that boil water notice. But a lot of my friends, and, until the past few days, were just kind of ignoring that boil water notice and just saying, well, I'm going to drink the water. I'm not going to, hopefully, everything will be okay. But right. during last night's press conference, when the governor called a state of emergency, you know, there was the governor and others said that during the those recent floods I alluded to, there was actually... Uh, untreated water from the river going into the system and would be going into people's pipes. So they said, definitely don't drink that. Mm-hmm. Now, the mayor had a press conference today, and he said, that's not true. All the water that's gone into the pipes has been treated, but he still, you know, urged people to boil the water. And we, I mean, I think it's everybody's in agreement that if you were drinking the water a week ago, you don't need to be drinking it today mm-hmm. without taking proper precautions. Bobby Harrison, senior capital reporter at Mississippi Today. Thank you very much for joining us. You bet. Thank you. How many Kia boys do you think there are in the city? Hundreds. Hundreds? Kia boys, Sonata boys. Are there any Chevy boys? I hope not, because I got a Chevy over here. Joining us now is Annalise Frank, Detroit reporter at Axios. Thanks for joining us, Annalise. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, let's talk about this little crime wave going on across the country where thieves are stealing Hyundais and Kias in a matter of seconds. Now, we've start, we've seen, been seeing a couple of things in the news, but it's uh, you know hitting an all-time high right now. It's uh, a pretty crazy way that this is happening. It's being popularized on social media, where else, obviously. And uh, for some of these uh, people that could be affected by this, they're having to resort to uh, some old-school tactics like maybe bringing back the club to just help out with not uh, getting their car stolen. So, Annalise, tell us a little bit more about this because there's so much that goes into this right now. What's really notable about this is just how quickly these models can be stolen. So it's some Kias and Hyundais, Kias from around you know 2011 to 2021, and then Hyundais from 2016 to 2021. These are cars that are using a steel key, not you know your keyless fob and the push button start, but the kind of old fashioned way. So because of how these cars from Kia and Hyundai are made, they can be stolen in, I'm told, as little as a couple minutes or maybe even a minute in some cases. And this is a trend that's sort of been going around on social media, and it's very easy to do. I mean, if if one watches the video, they can sort of figure it out. So, <laughs> so that is, we're told by officials, sort of driving the trend here, or at least parts of the trend. People aren't really getting that much help from the car manufacturers. Hyundai said they're going to provide people a specialized security kit. You're going to have to pay for it. Kia, they're not providing anything at this time. They're both providing some of these wheel locks to local police departments and distributing them that way to people who have been affected by these thefts. But yeah, in terms of every one of these Kia or Hyundai owners getting some sort of fix, you know, that's not looking right now like it's it's going to happen other than, you know, buying the security kit that'll be available starting October 1st for the, the Hyundai owners. So yeah, going old fashioned with the club here. Um, so you, you mentioned the, the engine immobilizer. So, you know, it doesn't allow the car to start without the correct, like you're saying, chip or, you know, smart key present. So if you don't have that, you know, they're able to turn the engine over, you know, start the car without that using. So I talked to you know, I visited an auto repair shop in Dearborn, Michigan, and he showed me how it's done. And, and you know, they, they uh, showed me a car that's sort of been torn apart there at the steering column and, and how easy it is to do. Now, the social media angle of this is interesting. Obviously, there's videos, tutorials that were on TikTok that I was seeing for a bit on how to do this stuff. 
But uh, in Milwaukee, there's a, a, an especially pronounced problem there where they got groups of kids now that call them the Kia Boys, where they're doing videos about this. Uh, there was a uh, one YouTuber who went down there to interview some of them. And that video, I don't know how true it it is per se, but that video is crazy. There's kids running down the aisle with the uh, stolen Hyundai in that video, I believe it is. And it's just nuts. They have just total disregard for people's safety or the cars themselves. It's a pretty crazy video, you know, and it and it alleges to show members of this supposed Kia Boys group. And, you know, they show how they supposedly steal the car so quickly in that video as well. And that appears to be at least driving some of the traffic to people kind of understanding what this trend is that YouTubers certainly broadcast that. And, you know, we're also seeing some class action lawsuits pop up. You know, there's one in Iowa. There's a couple centering Ohio victims of theft. You know, they're basically saying that they deserve some sort of fix. They're sort of alleging that this is a design defect that makes the car so easy to steal and that the companies really are not compensating consumers appropriately. That's what these suits are alleging anyway. For these companies themselves, Hyundai Motor Company, I guess, is the parent company to both Hyundai and Kia. Uh, What are they saying for their part in all this? The two brands spoke separately about this issue, Hyundai and Kia, to Axios. And, you know, I think that that some of their statements were really similar, you know, saying that our cars do meet federal motor vehicle safety standards. And, you know, these cars are being exploited through this social media trend that, you know, the cars are actually safe and there's not, you know, it's it's not the same as like a, a, you know, a huge nationwide recall. It's it's not the same as that. It's this design issue that people are, are arguing about. But they're, you know, they're really say they're also saying that, you know, now the cars being produced do have immobilizers, you know, moving forward. So they're mm-hmm. saying, you know, this should not be a problem in newer cars moving forward as well. Annalise Frank, Detroit reporter at Axios. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks again. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. It's almost here. The NYX anniversary sale starts this Thursday, May 9th at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. 
So mark your calendar this Thursday, May 9th for the NYX anniversary sale. Get 30% off all leak-proof underwear, shapewear, activewear, and more. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Don't miss this. Let me say this to my MAGA Republican friends in Congress. Don't tell me you support law enforcement if you won't condemn what happened on the 6th. Don't tell me. Joining us now is Sahil Kapoor, senior national political reporter at NBC News. Thanks for joining us, Sahil. Great to join you. Well, we had been hearing a lot about this red wave coming for the 2022 midterm elections. Republicans were poised to take over the Senate, take over the House. There was a lot of enthusiasm going that way, and, and Democrats were really un, uh, you know, unmotivated. The GOP base was on fire with all of it. Well, now there's been a lot of things that happened since. The Biden administration has racked up a few wins, and we're seeing some hedging of bets from people like Mitch McConnell about the Senate. The mood shift seems to have changed. Um, so there's a few things that we're pointing to that, uh, you know, are, are signals of this. You know, Democrats have a long way to go. We're not saying they're winning right now by any means. But let's start off with some of these. Uh, you know, there was a Democratic victory uh, by Democrat Pat Ryan. He defeated Republican Ma- uh, Mark Molinaro. They were talking a lot about abortion. And that seems to be one of the big points that's coming around for the midterm elections. That's right. These days, you have to squint pretty hard to see signs of a red wave that were abundantly evident last fall when Republicans stormed to power in the Virginia governor's race and nearly won a stunning victory in the blue state of New Jersey. But now in this bellwether special election in New York, just up in Hudson Valley, the Democrat Pat Ryan defeated Republican Mark Molinaro in this district, which has so closely mirrored the national mood. If this was anything resembling a red wave, Democrats would have no business winning. And yes, as you point out, Pat Ryan ran heavily on protecting abortion rights. He connected it to the larger struggle for freedom that he fought as a veteran for uh, in the United States military. And Molinaro ran on the Republicans' preferred messages. He ran on making it a referendum on uh, President Biden, on inflation, on one-party rule in Washington. It wasn't enough. We're also looking at, you know, we also know, you know, most voters are kind of set in their ways. It's tough to really persuade uh, one party to go to another or anything like that. But we're seeing that a lot of persuadable voters, the ones that are still out there, are trending towards Democrats right now. This is coming from an NBC News poll that we saw. It's highly unusual to see persuadable voters moving toward the party in power in the middle of an election year. Usually they move against the party in power. But yes, this is a remarkable trend we found in our NBC News poll. Persuadable voters who you know consider themselves independent, who float between the parties, they preferred Republicans by six points earlier this year. And now uh, in our latest poll of August, they lean toward Democrats by three points. We always talk about the enthusiasm gap and, uh, you know, what's going on, whose base is fired up the most. Uh, you know, it always kind of seems that Democrats are a little lazier in off times. You know, once the election comes, maybe they'll start getting geared up a little bit more. But for a long time now, you know, the GOP base has been really fired up, whether it be because all the stuff that happened with President Trump or, or whatnot. But we're seeing that edge start to shrink now. We are. And I think there are two things that this can be attributed to. First, uh, and probably the biggest one, is the Supreme Court decision to eliminate the constitutional right to an abortion. It has woken up the Democratic base in a way that we seldom see, you know, in a midterm year when their party controls the White House. I think a lot of people took this right for granted. It's a broadly supported right. And uh, those voters seem pretty angry and they seem determined to take out that anger on anything and anyone with an R next to its name on the ballot. And the second is the reemergence of former President Trump in the national spotlight. 
spotlight. I think that has reminded a lot of Democratic and independent voters that he is still out there, that he is still largely in control of the Republican Party, lately reasserting his dominance by getting a lot of Republicans to defend him in the wake of the search of Mar-a-Lago, which uh, by all accounts appears to be a by-the-book operation. Mitch McConnell, an interesting one here, downplaying expectations of overtaking the Senate. We know that it's a razor-thin margin right now, right? It's 50-50 in the Senate, so any it can go any way, but uh, already starting to hedge his bets on that one. He recently said there's a greater likelihood that the House flips than the Senate. He used this phrase, which has gotten a lot of attention, candidate quality, when talking about the reason Republicans may fall short in the Senate. It was largely seen as McConnell throwing a bit of shade at Republican Senate candidates who are underperforming in their own states that, you know, he didn't name names, but it's not you know, it doesn't take a genius to figure out who he's talking about. There's a Mehmet Oz in Pennsylvania who's right. trailing the Democratic nominee, John Fetterman, Lake Masters in Arizona, who's trailing Mark Kelly. You know, Republicans have nominated a series of first time candidates who have not run before. A lot of them were plucked by Donald Trump because of their celebrity status or because of their friendship with him and are not performing particularly well at this moment. The midterm elections are usually a referendum on the party in power. You mentioned it earlier. President Biden's approval rating has been all over the place, very, very low for a long time right now. It's ticking up a little bit, but who knows what that will mean right now. I think the latest NBC News poll had him at flat at 42%. But I mean, that's a big thing. As I mentioned, there's a couple of wins under the belt, but uh, who knows if it's enough, uh, if it's a real clear picture of momentum going there. He does appear to be ticking up in polls in terms of his approval rating. President Biden does. Uh, the polling averages showed him less than a month ago, showed him at 37 to 38 percent, which is a dismal rating. And now he's up to about 42 to 43 percent. That's still a low rating. I want to be clear about this. It's about where Donald Trump was in the eve of the 2018 midterm elections when his party got crushed. But the unusual thing here is that Democratic candidates don't seem to be hurting as a result of Biden's low approval rating. Many of them in competitive Senate races are levitating you know, many points above Biden, which is unlike 2018, when we saw Republican candidates pretty much hamstrung by Trump's vote share, their vote share didn't really rise much above that. So one of the biggest questions between now and Election Day is whether Democratic candidates can keep that up. Can someone like Catherine Cortez Masto in Nevada continue to outperform Biden by 10 or 15 points in uh, favorable ratings? Can Mark Kelly do that? Can Raphael Warnock do that? The answer to that will tell us a lot about whether Democrats will hold on to the Senate at this time uh, in January. Sahil Kapoor, senior national political reporter at NBC News. Thank you very much for joining us. Great to join you. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive. Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. On NPR's new podcast, Wild Card, we have ripped up the typical script. It's part existential deep dive and part game show. I ask actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to ask some of life's biggest questions. Listen to NPR's Wildcard on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.